0: Hey, good morning. It's Patricia Murphy. It's Friday. This is Seattle Now. This week, Seattle Mayor Bruce Harrell paused a plan to take down the cherry trees outside of Pike Place Market. A plan that would bring more housing density to our state now heads to the Senate. And Seattle is the setting for the latest season of Love is Blind. KUOW's Katie Campbell and Seattle Times columnist Naomi Ishisaka are here to break down the week. But first, let's get you caught up. Former Sonics All-Star Sean Kemp was released from jail Thursday after being connected to a shooting at Tacoma Mall this week. Kemp's attorney, Scott Boatman, released a statement via NBA Insider saying Kemp acted in self-defense upon tracking down several stolen items, including an iPhone. A spokesperson from the Pierce County Prosecutor's Office told us over the phone, no immediate charges are being filed and the situation remains an active investigation. Only a few short months left for free COVID tests. The Washington Department of Health says it's ending the Say Yes COVID test program May 11th. And after March 13th, the eligibility criteria will change to focus on the most vulnerable communities in our state. For now, you can order more tests and check out your eligibility at sayyescovidhometest.org. We'll also drop a link in the show notes. And prepare for delays on the Montlake Bridge this weekend. It'll be down to one open lane in each direction from 7.30 a.m. to 1 p.m. while bridge maintenance crews do some work. It's the kind of information we try to bring you every day on Seattle now, just enough to get you started. If you appreciate that, then why not take a minute right now and make a quick donation to support us? We're a public radio podcast, so everything we do is funded by you and community support. So if you value starting your day with us, support the show. You can even pick how much you want to give. So do us a solid. There's a link to donate in the show notes, and thanks. Hello, Friday. I certainly hope your weekend starts soon. King County Executive Dow Constantine broke down the state of the county and pointed to the future in an address this week proposing a vibrant campus on county-owned property downtown. Mclemore gave a free concert at Numo's to promote his latest album and pack the house, and more tech layoffs for Meta and Microsoft. Seattle Times columnist Naomi Ishisaka is here. Hey, Naomi. Hey, great to be here. Glad you are here. And KUOW's Katie Campbell is here as well. Katie, hi. Hey, friend. Good to see you. Nice to see you, too. Katie, Naomi, housing prices are down 7% in February, which is meaningful, but many people are still left out of the equation. On Monday, a bill that would bring more diverse housing to our state passed out of the House. The legislation would legalize duplexes or fourplexes in most neighborhoods and cities across the state. This would allow for more density, which is critical to addressing Washington's housing shortage, which, as we all know, is significant. Recently, the Washington State Department of Commerce determined we need to add 1.1 million homes over the next 20 years. That's about 50,000 units annually to keep pace with expected growth. Naomi, the bill passed on a bipartisan vote, but the flashpoint is that it could mostly restrict single-family zoning, and that has a lot of people upset. Can you understand where they're coming from? You know, I really can't. I mean, I, I think I've said this on on KOW before too. Is that I,
1: you know, unless we start tackling those huge swaths of the city that are off limits to you know duplexes, corplexes, things like that, um, apartment buildings, condos, we're going to really be strangling our ability to to build the housing that we need. You know, and I think that the thing that strikes me about this is that you know it, it's almost like we're frogs in in boiling, like ever increasingly boiling water, because you know we're seeing this as a step forward, which it is, but at the same time. You know, these ADUs, as my colleague Dan Beekman wrote this week, these ADUs they're building, you know, the the condominium versions are about $732,000, which is, you know, outside of our little weird Warped bubble is a huge amount of money for a house, you know. It's what most people is out of reach for most people. So I think unless we get a hold of what we actually mean by affordability and start putting some actual numbers to it, all of this is just going to be, you know, repeating the same process. It'll just be based on duplexes instead of single-family homes.
0: Katie, what do you think? You know, we this is a math problem that we're dealing with here on multiple levels.
2: It really is a math problem. And just like Naomi just said, we have to figure out what affordability means. And the problem is, is the answer to that question isn't the same across income levels, right? I am a single childless woman and still who, who's making good money in the public radio sphere, right, for for my single childless self. And even with that 7% drop in housing prices, maybe that gets me 7% closer to being able to afford a home in Seattle. But I still can't afford a home in Seattle. Absolutely not. And certainly uh, not even a condo, anything like that. I'm I still am in the rental market. Despite that drop. That drop, when you put it into context, isn't that big. What is big? is the housing crisis in our state. And you know, without commenting exactly on people's feelings around this issue, this is a complicated problem that is going to require a complicated solution. I think that's what we're seeing right now at the state legislature, and it's what we're seeing at the municipal level too, as cities try to figure out what the next step is going to be. Um, I also wanna give a shout out to our reporter Joshua McNichols, who's been doing a lot of reporting on missing middle housing. And if you need clear evidence uh, that this is a complex problem, just go look at the number of hours he has spent trying to break down just the fact that this problem exists. So this bill is one of the solutions we're seeing. We're going to have to see what form it takes ultimately, but not everyone's going to be happy. I think we know that.
0: Yeah. The other thing that people are pointing out is exactly the affordability issue that isn't completely addressed in the bill it is touched on but it is definitely not the driver and back to the state's data about housing projections that same report noted that more than half of that housing that we need to build needs to be affordable needs to be built affordable here in seattle we're going to be developing a housing authority to oversee the social housing initiative that voters just passed Social housing, as a reminder, is a building where your rent is based on a percentage of your income and includes all levels of income in the same building. I am really curious to see where this leads us. They're looking for buildings and property right now. Do either of you see a big difference that could happen because of this
1: yeah, I mean, I wrote I wrote a column about this and um, I think it was in early 2022. And and one of the things that struck me when I was researching it was that, you know, this approach is not novel and it's novel to us, but it's actually not novel around the world. And, and specifically in places like Vienna, which, you know, has some significant differences to us, but, you know, a huge chunk of their population lives in this type of housing. And one of the things that they emphasized is that, you know, it has to be made desirable for everyone. So it can't just be something where, you know, it has to be some has to have the amenities and the and the services that make it desirable for everyone to want to live in, in order to help subsidize the rest of the, you know, apartment buildings so it's a little bit more affordable for folks. And I think, you know, disruption is a is a term we use too, too often in Seattle. But I think in some ways that this effort can actually disrupt what we've sort of seen as like these different tiers of housing and sort of find a way to mix it up a little bit in a way that hopefully will get people thinking that, you know, more things are possible than what we've just grown to accept here.
2: Just to bounce off of Naomi's point about disruption. It seems that we are at, we being Seattle, Washington State, the entire country, we are at this point in the housing crisis situation, whatever you want to call it, where any solution seems worth trying to a certain degree. And what it's whether it's going to be successful or not really depends on the buy-in, I think. So that disruption is going to cause a lot of waves in a way. It, it just depends on kind of how they fall, I think.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. All right, moving on. The cherry trees at Pike Place Market have been granted a stay of their imminent execution. The trees near the entrance have been slated to be removed and replaced with hybrid elms as part of a more pedestrian, bike-friendly redesign of the Pike Pine Corridor near the city's waterfront. The mayor stepped in after people who value the history of the market and the cultural significance of the trees rallied, posting signs, asking people to get involved. Now, Naomi, there is a lot going on here. On one hand, there is the actual health of these trees and the city's intention to do a redesign. On the other hand, is the significance and history of cherry trees in our city. I think these trees may have come from a donation of a thousand trees from a Japanese prime minister in the late 70s. A lot of competing interests here.
1: Yeah, you know, I think you I think you summed up the sort of the dilemma well and i think one of the things that struck me in 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 reading about this story and and kind of following along this week is that you know i wrote about the the Chinatown International District's efforts to to have sound transit be more thoughtful about the placement of its next station i wrote about the CID's efforts to um have King County regional homelessness authorities and others be more mindful about where they put a shelter. And in in both of those instances, you know, we have this reputation for having this like long, laborious Seattle process. And, and it strikes me that, you know, that Seattle process only seems to happen in things like zoning, um, where we've been talking about it for decades, and nothing's changed. But when it comes to things that in particular, you know, affect a culturally specific group, or in particular, Asian American communities, somehow it seems like the folks that are most the the most relevant stakeholders are only looped in at the very end of the process. And it seems like that's kind of what's happening here. And you know, I think I think the Seattle process needs to, if we're gonna be having a, a lo- deliberative process that is supposed to include all the stakeholders, it needs to include everyone, including particularly the Japanese American community, who has a long history with these cherry trees, and in particular, a long history of having been displaced from pipe Glace market. And and there's a, you know, there's a tremendous amount of significance to having cherry trees in that particular spot, when all those Japanese American farmers were forcibly removed from their business and their livelihoods.
0: Did the mayor make the right call slowing down this process? And because stakeholders are going to be involved now, now they're going to add stakeholders to the committee, apparently.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think it's a it's it's better than having them all cut down on Monday as they had planned, you know, but the fact that the the Japanese American Citizens League didn't even know this was happening until Sunday and they were slated for removal on Monday, you know, to me that's there's a break there. There's a there's a miss there. And so I think the question is, you know, you can put a pause on it, but how is it going to be
0: substantively different in the going forward? Well and that brings up the other issue, right? The health of the trees. Um, They are nearing the end of their lifespan, according to some arborists. But the UW arborist, Ray Larson, told The Times that some cherry trees with proper care can live as long as 80 years. And the cherry trees on the UW quad are a great example of that. They've been at that location since 1962. But they also have very specialized care. And the trees down at the Pike Market are not in an ideal environment.
1: Well, maybe we need like adopt a tree, adopt oh. a pike cherry tree. I don't know. It just seems like if adopt the issue is
0: tree. the state <laughs> if has they... adopt a drain, you could adopt a tree. I know. I mean,
1: if... I certainly wouldn't be the one to do it because I don't. I'd probably kill them. Very quickly. But, you know, I'm sure there's people who are very passionate about this. I mean, I was reading the comments on that too. And there's people that know a ton about trees and about cherry trees and about lifespans and pruning and all sorts of things I know nothing about. But, you know, it seems like if if the issue is is maintenance and care, I'm sure there's ways to to address that.
2: Yeah, I'm no arborist. I'm not a professional. I have, you know, my little trees I can take care of. But, you know, a part of me, my the, the tree hugger part of me just wonders, like, why can't we move them? Why did it have to? Because there was there was something, I think, uh, kind of violent about the news of how these trees were going to go, that they're going to be chopped down. It wasn't just that we were removing the trees like these trees were going to be killed. I think it felt... It felt, for lack of a better word, it felt violent. Um, and to Naomi's point, to to have that and not include the folks who could, A, say something about their cultural significance, and B, maybe have conversations about what could be done with them instead. Where could they be put that is maybe still culturally significant and where they could be better cared for? It just feels like the, we... We as a city jumped to the one conclusion, and I could be very wrong about that, but it just seems like there's a lot of room for conversation here. And everybody loves trees in this city, and we've already recently found out our tree canopy has been drastically reduced, particularly mm-hmm. in communities of color uh, over mm-hmm. the years. So this just, it seems like a, a kind of a tone deaf situation.
0: Trees are survivors just like us in the city, and the people who love them are tenacious. So it, would it be so awful? to move them or (laughs) let them stay. We will see. Good luck, Cherry Trees. And speaking of luck and love, Seattle has a reputation for being a tough city for singles. And if you're single or a fan of reality TV, you may already know that the latest season of Love is Blind is set here in Seattle. If you're not familiar with the Netflix show, in it 15 men and 15 women live in little pods for 10 days where they talk through a tiny speaker, but they can't see each other. It airs later this month. If they click, they reveal themselves and go on dates. Later in the show, there are marriage proposals. At some point, they move into an apartment building, all of them together. But my first question is, why on earth would anybody put themselves through this? Does this sound fun to either of you? No,
2: absolutely not. I mean, like, like no. This um, sounds no, it sounds awful. But yeah. I will say I am a single in Seattle. I am doing the dating thing. It is basically my second job because if you really <laughs> want to be intentional, you gotta like, you know, you gotta put some effort in. I'm having a, a lovely gentleman over this evening to listen to podcasts and have uh, a drink. So that's the what perfect I do. Public
0: radio date. <laughs> <laughs>
2: He's a big public radio fan, so shout out. Hey, man, out. you want to
0: come over and listen to podcasts?
2: You want to listen to that new <laughs> podcast? But, you know, I will say it is wild out there. And you, I, I could see why some people are drawn to this seems like the next logical iteration of that, <laughs> where you just go into a pod and roll the dice and see what happens. So, you know, I'm almost there. I'm almost where I might submit my application. (laughs)
0: Let's do this. (laughs) You know, I wonder if they get to choose their own dates because if they set up dates for them in the city, I wonder where they would send them because it's a, you know, it's a national TV show. They're going to send them to places like the Great Wheel and the Space Needle. Like they're going to have to do the The Seattle Vision thing, you know, where it's coffee at the Amazon Spheres.
2: Oh, no. Okay, now now I'm back out. I'm taking my application back because I
0: refuse. <laughs> All right, well, wait a minute, though, me. because what is the best date location in the city? Like, it says a lot about you where you take people in the city.
2: Some of the best dates I've had have just been, like, a nice little picnic, and you just relax on a, one of those rare, beautiful, sunny days, especially in summer, or just, like, a nice walk. A walk is always good. Otherwise, um...
0: I don't know. I had a first date at Canlis once. That was pretty wild. Mm. Highly recommend it. Wow. That. wow. That's hard Dang. to learn. That's coming out pretty strong. <laughs> my first date with my husband was at Linda's on Capitol Hill, Ooh. the bar. Second one is Pink Door. We knew it was real after Pink Door. Naomi, <laughs> where would you send our couples? Oh, my
1: gosh. Um, I don't know. I guess I would send them to maybe the new Africatown buildings in the Central District. There's a communion. There's an art gallery. Um Sweet spots with great drinks and food and art. And that seems like it would be fun. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Naomi, you don't watch Love is Blind, but you are a fan of reality TV.
1: I am. I'm a fan of all things food con- competition. So yeah. one of my favorite ones now is Tournament of Champions, which is is actually done completely blind. So you can see mostly women, Um, actually all women um, having won the past three years. And it seems to be a lesson in and of itself. But okay. for this this year, I'm really excited that Shota Nakajima is going to be on it, who we all loved from Top Chef and as a Seattle celebrity chef and just an all-around um, charming human being. So he's going to be coming up on Tournament Champions next week. Can't wait to see that. Nice, nice. Yeah
0: cooking shows are my kind of reality tv yes that's the kind of reality tv i'm down for all right well we are leaving it there good luck to our local chef and thanks to my guest seattle times naomi ishisaka and kuow's katie campbell thanks great to be here thanks Murph. Thanks for listening to Seattle Now. Today's show was produced by Vaughn Jones. The show is also produced by Caroline Chamberlain-Gomez, Claire McGrain, Jenny Cecil Moore, Brandy Fullwood, and Brooklyn Jamerson Flowers. Matt Jorgensen does our theme music. Seattle Now and KUOW Public Radio are members of the NPR Network. It's an independent coalition of public media podcasters. You can find more shows in the network wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Patricia Murphy. See you Monday.